0: Hi, James.
1: Ben, how are you?
0: Uh, I'm I'm okay. I'm I'm happy. It's 2016.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Why is that? Because
0: 2015 kind of kind of sucked. Uh, so that's reason enough for me. It should be reason enough for you.
1: Uh, very good. Any New Year's resolutions?
0: Uh, yeah, to not repeat
1: 2015. Okay, I was (laughs) gonna
0: be to not rollerblade, to not. (laughs) not Damn it! You
1: beat me to it. That's what I wanted. No,
0: I'm going to own my shame. I'm not going (laughs) to let anyone put it on me.
1: Uh, I was, I was looking forward to that little jab, and you denied it to me.
0: I'm gonna, and I will continue to do so. I am on high alert.
1: Yeah. Yes. Well, I. I'm. (laughs) I. It. It. I'm. I'm going to like let the cat out of the bag. We had a go at this episode yesterday and it was a little bit all over the place. So you know where my jabs are coming this time. That's right. I'm
0: prepared. I'm prepared. (laughs)
1: Uh, We should thank Wealthfront, who are the sponsors of this episode. Wealthfront's an automated investment service built for the modern era and it's making it easier than ever to invest your money well. How do they do it? Well, Wealthfront uses software instead of retail locations, salespeople, and so on, so it can offer sophisticated investment advice at low costs that were previously impossible. It's exploded in popularity in the last two years, and they now have more than two and a half billion dollars under management. Check them out at wealthfront.com/exponent to get up to fifteen thousand dollars dollars sorry managed for free.
0: Very good, and our thanks to Wealthfront for sponsoring Exponent, which is already improving over yesterday because I pulled the thank you to Exponent for sponsoring Wealthfront again.
1: <laughs> yeah, all the good bits are going. I know it's
0: sad. Well, uh, yeah, well, the problem is, is I think we're going for a. Um, well, I was joking to someone. I was talking to someone about uh, the piece that I wrote this week, um, <laughs> and I said, you know, I'm. Well, I think I there's an interesting angle in uh, defending surge pricing and talking about. Uh, Paul Graham's inequality article and I'm like yeah. I'm like I'm just going for the degree of difficulty score you certainly are <laughs> um but yeah in case in case you missed it there was um uh we'll, we'll I think we'll get to to my piece but I think the more interesting place to start is is the uh this this article by by Paul Graham Paul Graham is a uh, um well-known uh he used to be a well-known programmer now he's a well-known investor founder of Y Combinator um, very smart guy, uh, a regular writer and and a good writer. Mm. Um, and he wrote two pieces this week. I actually hope we get to the other one because in many respects, it's much more interesting and mm. does indirectly tie in. Uh, it's the foundation for sure of, of the inequality piece in a way. It's about, about mm. the kind of refragmentation, uh, which we've talked about on this podcast. Um, but the, the essay that kind of set the internet aflame over the weekend uh, was entitled Economic Inequality.
1: It, I must confess, it didn't just set the internet aflame. My blood started boiling as well when I read it. Well,
0: let, let me let me try to briefly summarize it, and then I will let you rant and rave. <laughs> um, Ezra Klein put it very well when he he wrote a good piece kind of uh, taking issue with some aspects of this essay on Vox, uh, which uh, all these articles we'll reference, we'll, we'll put in the show notes. Um but I think one thing that he said was that what was so interesting about this essay was it got some things very, very right and some things very, very wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think that aspect is what made it so, so, such, such a talking point because there was almost, a, there was, everyone could glom onto a different point, mm-hmm. right? And I think there ended up being a lot of talking past each other. And as with all such things, with all things in life, um, if this is what you want Ben's philosophy in a nutshell, uh, there is no like everything's a trade-off. there is no black or white there's it's it's in the middle, and it, it everything depends on the context with which you look at it. So in the case of inequality, um you know, Paul Graham, who is a startup guy who is in the San Francisco Bay Area I don't know exactly where he lives, um where there has certainly been a a uh, large amount of pushback against technology and the impact it's had in San Francisco and on rents and, and the culture and all those sorts of things, um has somehow decided that the talk about inequality uh is an attack on rich, the rich rich people, and given that startups make people rich uh by the transitive property or something uh, talking about inequality is an attack on startups
1: yeah and that's it's a that's a good summation and i I think it that that last part captures one of the big issues that I had with the essay. I mean I love it when people have fire in their belly around a topic, but I think he takes it a little bit too far he He almost takes it personally i I actually think when most people are talking about inequality. They're not talking about startups at all. I think when people are talking about inequality that that like that nobody has a problem with startups i i it's it, people love them. people love uh, in general. I feel like people love technology like it's it's doing so many wonderful things for the world and there's this line at the start of the essay where he talks about it. So when I hear people saying that economic inequality is bad and should be decreased, I feel rather like a wild animal overhearing a conversation between hunters. But I, I don't know, I I just feel like taking it personally like that was just not a good way to start it off.
0: Well, it's not, well, I mean, to be fair, it, uh, I think it's probably, I mean, this has been a typical response, and so in which I generally agree with, that mm-hmm. that when people talk about inequality, they're not talking about startups. Um, but if they were talking about startups explicitly, then there wouldn't be a, a need, you know, Graham wouldn't have felt the need to write this essay. Um, and what I mean by that is, uh, startups do make people rich. Uh, No question about it. Um, Some of the richest people in America come from technology companies that were once startups. Um, And there's a lot of wealth in the San Francisco Bay Area in particular. And I think, and this is something that Klein noted as well, this probably fueled some of this where uh, there really is a real pushback against technology and startups in San Francisco specifically, like people's houses being attacked and and vandalized and stuff like that. Like that is actually happening. Now I tend to think that's a very localized issue. To, um, broadly speaking, you look at any sort of opinion poll or, or, you know, most admired companies, that sort of stuff, technology ranks, ranks very highly and, and, and justifiably so um, for reasons I think we'll get, we'll get into. Um, So in that respect, but it's a context thing, right? This is, if there's something that I say again and again and again and again, we talk about on this podcast and on Stratechery, everything depends on the lens through which you look at it. Mm. And so if you're sitting in San Francisco and someone you know got their house egged or, uh, you know, they're sitting, your friend was sitting in a bus that was getting pushed around by protesters, Mm. you you probably do feel pretty attacked.
1: Yeah, it was an... uh an essay, uh, from the bubble for the bubble perhaps. And it, it just, I don't know, uh, again, like outside of the, uh, like taking that perspective of outside the bubble. And it's one of the things I love about the fact you're in Taipei is that you bring that, but I, I don't know, like as an Australian t- to me, I remember when Steve jobs died and seeing the footage of people putting wreaths of flowers outside, uh, Apple stores. And this is a man that, uh, that generated billions of dollars in wealth. Uh he was very rich, but but he was universally admired. And I, I think that speaks to this distinction. Like globally, people people love like like no one begrudges people doing well um in tech. And uh, it, it, it's it's something else that they often complain about with inequality. That reminds me of one other point. Mm-hmm. Um beyond the bubble thing,
0: uh specifically I mean Graham isn't technically a venture capitalist uh Ycomaire isn't a fund it's a different mm. sort of structure, but just for putting that technical point aside, th- like the venture capitalist set uh I don't think there's any question there's a real undercurrent that that venture capitalists are ipso facto evil or bad or like mm. greedy and like all this sort of thing and um it which which it tends to be associated with this perspective that venture capitalists are the money men uh, when actually they're not. As we we talked about a few episodes ago, they're actually kind of their money managers for the real, the real mm-hmm. money men. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm using money men because that's the term, but also because they all tend to be men. Um, and, and so from that perspective, I, I do think it's a little not quite right to, to proclaim this universal admiration for, for, Tech, everyone will say they love startups but there's lots of people it's a fair number of people at least people who are very vocal that uh don't particularly approve of venture capital for example um don't approve of of uber well we can get to, we will spend a lot of time on
1: it. <laughs> i mean exponent uh is actually uh is swahili for uber yeah, um, we're, we're we're giving the exponent bingo players a real run for their money. I did Taipei in Australia earlier on, and then we just hit Uber. <laughs> so, but 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 anyhow, the the point being is, uh, this,
0: like, I I'm not gonna run the guy out on a rail because I I the, let this be a lesson to everyone out there. Like the problem with, with fallacies and arguments like a straw man fallacy is not that, uh, it's wrong per se. It's that it hurts your argument. And I think there are some, some points here that you may, you can be disagreed with in a, like a philosophical sense, not in a, this is an unfair argument. In a sense. I think a lot of the stuff that really, uh, the reason why this really, uh, pissed people off for lack of a better term was you go out and you make a straw man argument and people who disagree with you feel boxed in. They feel like, no, that's not what I think. And then now, now
1: you're in a a place where people are defending themselves. Um, before you go any further, when you say straw man, I, I, I was, I think that's a really good point, but what's the straw man in the argument that he makes the
0: the straw man. Well, when, when you put it out there that, that, uh, stating that people who are against inequality are against startups. Like that's that's a so now uh anyone like like say Mr. James Alworth who is concerned about inequality like and some you know a a well-respected uh well-known figure walks up to you and says, "James, why do you hate startups?" It's like the like when did you stop beating your wife question, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. I I I I think that's a really good way of putting it. it, it I think he changed the language in the essay because I was looking for it um, later, and it, there's a note down the bottom that he changed it. But when I first read it, it was that strawman that made my blood boil. It was it was all about uh, eliminating economic inequality. Everyone who wants to like who wants to eliminate economic inequality, and I don't think anyone in the mainstream is arguing for that either it's it's people are trying to uh, people will argue that inequality has gone too far but there are very few people that are arguing to eliminate economic inequality and he spent a lot of time arguing against that point
0: well so i well this is well this is where i think the, the there is it, there is st- stuff in the essay to think about and consider mm. and and that is we can sit here and protest that no one's against startups. i mean, leaving aside the the, the specific points that I just talked about in, a, in a, from a very broad picture. We can sit here and say, oh, people love startups. No one's against startups. Um, but I think the point Graham was making, and again, I'm not saying I agree or disagree, but I think it's a point worth debating. And so we shall debate it, is if... You do start with the presupposition that economic inequality is a bad thing, or too much economic inequality mm. is a bad thing. Uh, the logical extension of that is either that we need to make po- poor people at the bottom have more, or we need to make those at the top have less, right? Fair. Mm-hmm. Course, and it, 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 but then it follows from that then how do you accomplish that and the most kind of obvious one is well you move wealth from the top to the bottom or you limit the top or you you know like there's like yes you can protest that to be um, and so sorry then you add on that startups do create massive wealth for their investors and for the successful founders and a few, you know, a few of the, the original employees. Like, I guess what I'm trying to say is I think the way he phrased it and put it was unfair, but I can at least see the logical connection he was, he was trying to make. And there actually are some, like, we can't pretend that this stuff is totally disconnected. Like there is some sort of connection between people getting really rich, uh, and there being inequality.
1: Yeah. Yes. I. I, th- I think that's true. I. I. I mean, I agree with that. But the, the way you describe, like, given the fact that um, uh, people getting rich and and uh, when when the system works properly, or as I would say, works properly, when you get rich, there is a social. There's a social safety net. that there, there is a tax system that's progressive that involves people who make lots of money supporting people who haven't made lots of money. So there's that bottom that's established. Actually, if you're against uh, if you're against inequality, it it's not necessarily a bad thing that people come along and create these uh, create these technologies that that substantially grow the pie because that actually help, that can help people at the bottom as well. Right, no,
0: exactly. And I think that 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 was absolutely a point that, that Graham was making, and it's something that I think was is uh, absolutely a fair point. And and I will add, uh like I, there's certainly aspects of this I found objectionable and I, I addressed some of them in, in my essay, and, and certainly your blood is boiled. But I found a lot of the reactions to Graham equally objectionable. Um and well, for one, there was a lot of just gratuitous name calling, which I don't mm. uh, like it, the, when you drop that in your response, like you're losing me immediately. Like mm-hmm. just cut it out. Seriously. It, it's kind of, it's kind of pathetic. Uh, number two, though, like there was just, <sighs> I don't know how to say this without sounding wrong, but there, there, there was too often in some of these responses, a fundamental misunderstanding of, of some very core tenets of economics and like how the world works. And, and, and what, what I, what I mean by that is, um, let's take something like, like GDP. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, now GDP, we mentioned last episode, we're going to talk about some time GDP and, and it's, it's flaws and the problems with it, how that relates to technology. Uh, sorry, we're going to have to park that for one more episode. Or we'll get to we'll get to it. So that that hey, there's my two hundred six. There's our twenty sixteen re- resolution. We will talk about
1: <laughs> no rollerblades in GDP. Sounds good to me. <laughs> no,
0: we will talk about GDP. Yeah, the, no the rollerblades.
1: And oh, got we got will it. do. Okay, GDP. got it. Got it. Got it. Okay, um,
0: the. Uh, so GDP has lots of flaws. Uh it all it measures is gross output, right? Which mm-hmm. means like literally if you like if there's an earthquake that flattened a city, GDP would go up because you're gonna spend a lot to rebuild the city. Like it doesn't it doesn't include like negative events, mm-hmm. for example. It doesn't include externalities. Like if you if or, or future value. So if you cut down a forest for logging, like it doesn't account for Anyhow, there's lots, of, there's lots of problems for it. Hmm. The one thing it does have going for it is it is a relatively objective and neutral measure. Like, um, and, and it can be – so anyhow. Uh, and the other thing it has going for it is if you look back over the last fifteen hundred years, it does roughly correlate to the stuff we actually claim to want to affect, like happiness and, and well-being hmm. and these other mm-hmm. more subjective essays. There actually is a pretty strong correlation. So for all its weaknesses, it, it's done a relatively good job. That's all. And that's, I know you want to jump in, but I'm going I'm, to cut I'm, you off. I'm holding my tongue. It's all good. <laughs> so don't email us. We, we're going to get, we're gonna get to the GDP episode of eventually. So the reason why, though, I think it's interesting to, to talk about GDP in this context is one thing that's really interesting about GDP is actually the vast majority of economic activity is a zero-sum game and what i mean is if i spend money on x i am not spending money on y if i do x activity i'm not doing y activity which means a lot of the choices we make are are and given that gross domestic product it's aggregating all of it the vast majority of choices a lot of us make actually have no they they just shift stuff around within gdp but they don't change the top line number of gdp and the and this is this is actually a a, a really important point because it gets at why, why technology is important. And the only way to grow GDP, again, just grant me for now that it's a useful measure. The only way to grow GDP is through increased efficiency. And what I mean is, what if instead of doing activity A or doing activity B, I could do both at the same time? Like now I'm doubling my output without any increased expenditure. Or what if I could instead of choosing to buy object A or buy object B, I could buy both with the same amount of money. Like now I've increased the the, the I I the production all this stuff that goes into it. And I the the and the, the key way this is done is through technology. And I mean technology in the largest, most expansive sense of the word, not necessarily like San Francisco centric IT technology, like fire, like like a lever, right? (laughs) The uh, the wheel. (laughs) No, exactly. Like those, the wheel allowed one person to accomplish more things in a day than could be done previously. That Mm -hmm. increased the total output for whatever society the wheel was invented in, Mm -hmm. which made everybody richer. It grew the pie. So the, the, the people, and it's interesting, the, uh, the efficiency word is a little bit like the venture capitalist word. Like it's a word that people sometimes react to negatively. Like, why are we always focused on efficiency? Like, what about the human costs? What about, what about people? And well, no, I, I don't, i sorry. I don't mean that to sound mocking. Like I get that people care about people and, and efficiency can seem like a cruel uh, knife, but If you back up far enough, the only way to improve the human condition, at least from an economic GDP measurable standpoint, is to improve efficiency. And and this this is why it's wonderful to work in an industry like technology as opposed to, say, Wall Street. Sorry, Wall Street <laughs> listeners. But that is much more of a zero-sum game where there's money being moved around. One person wins, another person loses. Like there's two people on both sides of a trade, right? Uh, and that, and it, that's all. That's where they... Oh, sorry, yeah. I'm getting off track.
1: No, no, no. But I, I, I think your point is extremely well-made. And I, I feel like this is why Graham took these things. He took these things so personally when, it, again, if you step outside the bubble... There, there, when Steve Jobs died, people were laying wreaths because it was this. This isn't, yeah, like the guy on Wall Street's getting rich. Steve Jobs is getting rich, but it, it, people felt like what Apple had done had enriched their lives, whereas you've got pitchforks coming for Wall Street. It, it was called Occupy Wall Street for a reason. It was never Occupy Google or Occupy Apple or or, or, or any of these things. And I, I think people are much more okay with. Uh, uh, uh wealth capture being correlated with wealth creation, than they are wealth capture being it, it, it being uh, done out of the zero sum game side of things.
0: Right, and, and to be clear, I mean, like I I can defend Wall Street as well. Like venture capital, if you back up far enough, is a part of mm-hmm. the same the same system as Wall yep. Street. Right, like Wall Street does allocate money to more productive uses at its best. now I think there's, (laughs) but it's a lot, it gets a lot more murkier in there. I think there's a lot more zero sum activity, uh, you know, in wall street that, that surrounds that. Um, So, uh, but yeah, but this is, but this, this is kind of a really, um, this is a really sort of, this is the core philosophical question. I think Graham was trying to raise, but it got obscured by all this sort of stuff uh the like the, 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 the straw men and and the being mm. hunted and all that sort of stuff and there is a, a very real uh question which is what is the best way to help society is it to grow the pie in which theoretically now everyone has access to to more and by extension to grow the pie you should unleash uh, people to get super duper rich and to create massive wealth, and sure, may they may capture a good portion of it, but the the total amount created will far exceed what any you know few people will capture. Uh, on the flip side, the question is, uh, well, what what about the the the, the what about the little people? Like what like how can we? It's mm-hmm. all fine and well to sit up at your perch and and lord it over the economy and say, this is, take your medicine, this is good for you in the long run. Mm. But what about people that are actually hurting right now,
1: right, like, today? Like, I, I, what about people that are losing their jobs? I think you've uh, you've hit the nail right on the head in terms of, like, where reasonable people can very much disagree. Um, and I... I <laughs> I, I think part of the frustration that that's happening in the U.S. is that the people who are making the arguments that we should be uh, that we should be focused on growing the pie are uh, uh, <laughs> more often than not the ones that are benefiting the most from the pie being grown, and this was another one of the 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 arguments. Or oh, well, the counter-arguments against Graham, and it's—I—I I, you made the point actually in your article that it's part of what made his argument ring hollow. Like there's such a strong element of self-interest involved when these folks are making the argument around make the pie bigger. Well, yeah, it also happens to be that the folks that are that are benefiting the most from that are more often than not the advocates of the same thing. And and Graham, to his credit, I I don't uh, like just before he wrote the article um, on inequality, he actually tweeted out a New York Times article that's talking about how uh, the super super wealthy are employing this army of lawyers and accountants and also um, uh, 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 political like. Uh, What are they called? The guys that lobbyists to to change the laws to enable them to pay less and less tax, and I think that's where um, more and more of people's frustrations are stemming from around this topic. That's why this.
0: Well, that's why we're recording this a second time because, like, this discussion is so fraught, and there's so many there's so many angles to it. And I guess that's I almost come back to like the the context thing, like the to go back to. if you look at the very, very high level view, mm. right? Like more efficiency is a good thing. Like, and it is. Like, and this is why Uber, for example, is such a big deal. Uber is not a big deal because it's making it more convenient to get a taxi. Uber is a big deal because it is, it has the potential to make one of, something that occupies a huge portion of our time, massively more efficient. Like if, if you can spend time, instead of two hours a day behind the wheel, spend two hours a day being productive or doing something else or, or differently, um, like there, there's a much more optimal allocation of resources.
1: Yeah. That, and, I was, I was going to say, we talked about the wheel earlier, kind of talking about earlier societies. It's almost like it's the 21st century equivalent of the wheel in terms of that impact that it might have. Right, exactly. Like someone, like someone who is a, uh, a,
0: a, like the, uh, an Uber spe- <laughs> Wrong. It's not time to use Uber. Uh, the other Uber. Uh, someone who's like a, a specialist, right? Say, uh, uh, a, 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 well, a consultant, a specialist. We know because he used to be one. <laughs> uh, but the, uh, imagine like a consultant that gets paid a thousand dollars an hour, and he de- and he and he deserves it. Okay, like wh- what's the point of having her spend two hours driving a car, right? When she could be doing her work that is worth, you know, worth in the, in the uh, distribution of resources point, uh, everyone's life is worth, you know, this is actually, we could get into this actually, the prob- problems with our word choices. Uh, she, what if she could spend two more hours a day doing what she is better in the world than anybody else at? Right, that would be good for the world. Like this is this is about opportunity costs and and the and the allocation of resources and and competitive ad, comparative advantage. And whereas, um, someone who's really really good at driving, or maybe they're for whatever reason they're be they're between jobs, or or they want to make it their job. Like wh- this, the idea of focus and specialization uh, is one of the core ways that you can increase total output where you, where you can increase GDP, which improves the pie for everyone. And given transportation, is such a huge market, it's a huge time sink. Like the potential is, the potential is, is massive. And the key thing is the, our consultant spending an extra two hours a day doing her work. Yes, she will make more money, but if you back up far enough, there is more value being generated for society as a whole, which means the pie is getting bigger, which benefits everyone. Again, the problem though is uh, if, you, so you, if you sit at the 50,000 foot level, and then now what happens is the driver, and I was trying to use like delicate language, but the 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 higher you get, the more elevated your level and the greater your appreciation for the broad based benefits the easier it is to lose sight of the fact that the driver is a person too and the the you know the person who worked at a factory that went to china that's a person too and the and the person who who came up in a neighborhood with a crappy school system because of the screwed up way we fund schools in the US and you know, was worried about getting food and getting to school safely, that's a person too. And it's 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 easy to lose your your individual morality in a way the higher up you go. But at the same time, you can be down in the trenches. You can be down on the level. You can be looking at that individual. And it's just as easy to lose sight of the fact that the the real way, like, yes, you can help people one by one, but if you want to, in the grand scheme of things, help at scale, there is to be like fundamental societal type shifts and changes. And it, it, we have these two groups basically epitomized by this debate in many respects, just completely talking past each other. Mm. And, and they're th- like everything. The answer is, is, it's almost not even in the middle. It's, it's having the capacity to hold both viewpoints in your head and then trying to strike a balance
1: b- between yeah, them. I, I, I think you're exactly right. I, I think I, Yeah, because yes, you're unlocking the potential of you're unlocking the potential of that consultant, but what happens if that driver is an incredibly gifted I don't know what the person is but that they are having to live hand-to-mouth. They're having to drive that car. Yeah, they can drive the car well, but there's something else that they, they'd be able to do that would, I mean, like, it, 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 <laughs> what happens if that's like there's an Einstein somewhere? Well, with- well, well, no, that's the huge upside. Let's just talk about like
0: being, having health insurance, right? right. Not, not, not like, No, there's you 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 kind of gave away the punchline. There there's actually why why there's a big upside to this. But before we even get to that, like there's just a human factor. Like, should it be the case that someone can get sick and go bankrupt? Like, Mm -hmm. like should that be possible in you know the richest country in the world? Should it be should it be possible that if that driver gets in an accident and is injured, he now has he has to. Get kicked out of his house or go to a homeless shelter. I mean, like, is yeah. is this what we want as a society? Like,
1: and and yeah, I think it's completely reasonable. And I think I think part of the problem with uh, folks when they hit these stratospheric highs is that they 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 not only are focused on the 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 conceptual problem from a 50,000 foot point of view but they're also insulated from and they continue to insulate themselves more and more not everyone but a lot of them continue to insulate themselves more and more and they're not exposed to uh these regular people with these uh with these like problems like the idea the idea that you can go bankrupt r- r- regarding your health care is crazy but I uh, like, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly not sitting on the stratospheric highs of Paul Graham or any of those folks on Wall Street, but I don't know anybody who's gone bankrupt from healthcare costs. And yet you look at the statistics, and it's like the most frequent cause of bankruptcy in the United States middle class. Yeah. Uh, so,
0: there is... Well, the other thing, and the other point, and I guess, I mean, you already, you already touched on it, is... um well there there's there's there there's two more points to to this so let, 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 so let's we're kind of approaching this from the high level perspective right mm. so let's let's grant that uh growing in growing the pie is 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 ultimately a, a good thing and um which well, no one disagrees with i would hope but uh so one why should we care about the individual at the bottom well one i think there's a there's just a human like that's Tomorrow. yeah because because we we are and we can and we're we're not living like savages you we know should. we should yeah um and but beyond that i think to your point there's actually a couple economic reasons too to care um one is what you made like there is what what potential is could be unlocked in in people that are kind of trapped trapped on there
1: yeah i <laughs> I guess this was this was this is one of my other frustrations. One of my big frustrations with um, with, with one side of the economic debate that that involves like we need to not tax people at uh, like we need to lower taxes on people who are very successful because you're going to discourage people being successful. And like, let's think about this argument in the instance of a startup, right? A startup is it's like starting to gain some momentum. Uh, it's it's hit it's like hitting five million in in revenues, growing incredibly well. Uh, the the kind of implied argument is because of the tax rates that are involved, people are going to stop that business, and that's like oh, I'm not going to do anymore uh, because the tax rates going up. Whereas I I, I like a so many people who are who are creating startups uh, nowadays are focused more on the mission or the purpose but b it's like that they're so into it and and it's being successful they're not going to walk away like from an individual motivation point of view they're not going to walk away based on that tax rate varying like percentage points on the other hand you think about someone who's in uh, a, a, a like I, I know we talked about the the potential of of the driver but there's another obvious case where this happens in my in my mind and you think about someone who's incredibly talented who's had a uh, had lots of opportunities and they're working inside of a let's let's call it a cushy corporate job and they do the arithmetic in their head of leaving that corporate job to go start a startup and it's like well I can do this but I'm foregoing all the salary fine but what about my healthcare? Like my healthcare is tied to my job. I'm going to lose that or it's going to become very expensive. And am I going to be able to uh, like afford to put my kids through education and so on? And I, I feel like this is where establishing that floor might actually do more to encourage people to start these startups to continue to grow the pie. And so, again, it was it was part of my, a little bit of my frustration with um, Graeme's post, like that's not that's not an argument about poverty, though poverty is definitely affected. This is an argument about thinking about it from the perspective of individual motivations and the benefits of establishing things like uh, universal health care and, and an education system that's a, a solid public education system. It It means going from doing the corporate grind to going and doing something high risk that has the potential to really grow the economic pie, like the individual motivations are that much greater to go and do it. Right, and that, and I think it's easy to think about
0: entrepreneurship and startups, and and just get focused on on the valley where there's venture capital, and, and you're taking less of a risk. Um, but no, I mean, business is all over all over the place. Um, the well, the and the other thing too is is just you know having a market, having the people that are going to to buy. The stuff that's for sale, right? Right. I mean, like the, the, the function, uh, uh, an opportunity is a function of the market that it addresses and the, the, the value of a market is its size and also its purchasing power and all those sorts of things. Um, and so that's certainly something to, to consider. But I think one thing to note is you talk about the marginal kind of the marginal tax question, like Mm. is, is anyone going to stop efforts in their startups because you know, of the marginal, a marginal tax issue? Um, and uh, no, you're right. It's it's kind of ridiculous, right? I mean, in some of the most valuable companies, like you know, Microsoft and, and Apple, were started in exceptionally high tax
1: environments. Yeah. Um Brian but- makes this argument in his like you're competing against all these other countries where you could just like the implication being if you if you increase the top marginal tax rate, people are just going to get up and go start them somewhere else. Like the the thing is, California has the highest state tax rate, some of the highest state taxes of all the places in the US. And yet it's the place where so many more of these startups are founded. And there's a degree of culture and all these other things that are built in here that, that you're, I mean, yeah, if you're economically reckless, if you set the marginal tax rate to a hundred percent, yeah, maybe you risk it, but I don't, I think it's going to take a lot more than that to dislodge something like this.
0: Well, I think what, 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 one area where this gets a little fraught though is the marginal tax questions do have a significant impact on many financial decisions and, and how capital is allocated and, and a lot of a wall street, like a lot of what uh, so much of what decisions made on wall street and things done have are significantly impacted by taxes. Um, like there, if you go to business school, you can take classes and classes just entirely on taxes and implications and dealing with them and dead weight loss and like all like all, all these sorts of sorts of things. And I think that um the and this is almost where 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 we, we kind of hinted at when people talk about economic inequality and, and you know the the line that it was occupy Wall Street, not not occupy Google, uh like if I were if I were a venture capitalist or whatever, like I would be trying to embrace a sharp line between me and those, uh, me and those, you know, fat cats on Wall Street, right? And like that. And I think there's, there actually is, is a distinction to, to be made here. And I guess this is why, this is why the startup line was so frustrating. I don't think, um, in, in a world where, it, it, I don't, it, this world where marginal tax, uh, percentages really matter is also happens unsurprisingly to be the world where it's much more of a zero sum sort of game.
1: I was hoping you're going to mention that. That's exactly what I was thinking when you were talking about New York. Sorry, I interrupted.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I love New York and, and you know, I, and uh, lots of readers and listeners on, on wall street. Um, but it's just like it, it just how a lot of the business works and yes, you're allocating capital more efficiently, that's important. Like I I have defended I've defended the idea the idea in the past. Um, but there's no question that the way in which wealth is 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 generated at kind of at scale, at, at a you know, just kind of a more abstract level in technology generally in Silicon Valley is is different. And I act and I think there's this is what I was trying to get off my piece this week. I think there's almost like a political opportunity here. To, um, to put forward a much more progressive agenda when it comes to taxes, because to your point, the the downside for uh, uh, when it comes to incentives for entrepreneurship are 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 perhaps less. But what what really sucks for entrepreneurship, like especially small scale entrepreneurship, I can tell you because it sucks for me. Is this is is regulation? Is is all these like dealing with U.S. taxes. Like, I spend thousands of dollars and untold amount of time doing my freaking taxes. Like, it's... um, Or dealing with, like... If we were to recast a regulate regulation regime for today for taxis, for example, or for all sorts of things, they would look fundamentally different because the regulations today were created in a world without smartphones, without ubiquitous knowledge of where a car is, where a passenger is, where things were booked. Like the capabilities today are far beyond what they were previously. So why are we using regulations from from before? The problem is you get you get people like me or people, particularly venture capitalists, to your point making arguments about let's have less regulation. And, and it's almost like, let's get a little more strategic about this guys. Right. You, you gotta, you gotta give a little to get a little. Mm. And there's such benefit that could be gained by having a much smarter, like rethinking so many of our different regulations, particularly on these sorts of things. Like I know, like people are super paranoid about the gig economy, right? The idea of people doing these small jobs. And rightly so, because they're operating in a framework that was built for a corporate economy, where the corporation took care of you, where that's where you got your healthcare, We you got all these sorts of different things. Right? Like, what's re? Like, actually, there's a lot to lend itself to the idea of a gig economy. R- like the the much, particularly when it comes to this efficiency idea and the better application of resources. But that means we need to remake lots of other stuff. We need to make sure people have health insurance that's independent of their job. They have disability insurance that's independent of their jobs. They have ways to get care for their children that are independent and they can take more risk and deliver more upside because there is this, this sort of net. And my the, the whole point I was trying to get at with the, there being a new politics for technology is is right now, unfortunately in our country, there's this kind of the less taxes and less regulation on one side Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. more taxes and more regulation and better safety on the other. And, and the ideal outcome, not just for technology, but I believe for society broadly, and I am a technological optimist because I think those are aligned is to rethink regulation, to rethink, uh, lots of areas on one hand to encourage more efficient markets, but on the flip side, to be much more cognizant and much more clear about the downsides, just as we can more efficiently address, uh, regular, like or regulation problems today, we can also more efficiently address safety net problems today. And, and there's
1: yes, 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 yes. Sorry, I, I'm I, rambling. No, you're <laughs> no. not rambling. I, I think it's fantastic. I, 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 I I love these conversations when you start, when, when you start picking big things, big important things, and you start shaking the tree to get people to rethink the fundamental assumptions around the way things are today, because things are very different today from when all these regulations were created. And as you were talking about the, uh, the, the, the regulation versus the, the social safety net, I, the old consultant in me came, came out and I did a two by two. It's like, right now, like there's a, the social safety net, it's, there's progressive and regressive on one side of the axes and there's regulation, uh, reduce or leave as is or increase. And right now, all the people who are arguing to reduce regulation are also being socially, uh, socially regressive. While the people who are being socially progressive are much more about the, the regulation. I think you're exactly right that there's one of those areas, one of those quadrants, the the uh, reduced regulation, socially progressive, is wide, wide open. And if if a, I think it could be politically very popular. But b, I just think of the phenomenal impact it could have on society. The political divisions we have exist for a reason. You know, there's a
0: reason why more regulation and a greater safety net have traditionally been aligned, and less reg- regulation and uh, less of a safety net have also been aligned. And I I think if you back up far enough, kind of the real fundamental distinction is like, what's your belief in the fundamental nature of, of, of a person? Yes. Like, are people fundamentally selfish or are they, are they fundamentally, um, you know, Good. Are people fundamentally good or fundamentally bad? I right. guess to put it, a very core question. Yeah. And it, and actually, that is the real fundamental divide in in most politics is getting down to that question. And so, and so the 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 answer. If I'm going to propose a new tech, a, a new a new politics that basically takes one piece from the left and one piece from the right, that's actually it's a fun intellectual exercise. Hmm. Um, and yes it's uh but it's not a worthwhile one unless it can distill down to the to this distinction right the way the, and and so i distilled uh, down to which distinction, sorry, it has to be like a sustainable viewpoint because the problem is is uh and what do I mean by that is you if the fundamental distinction in politics and and philosophy is like the fundamental nature of man mm, um mm. then a philosophy that tries to be on both sides of that is is is
1: is going to be is going to be a challenge I agree with that. I think that that the missing piece that's that's being unlocked is something that we've talked about previously. How how technology is taking in a lot of instances, not all instances, but let, let's think about the taxi example that you mentioned earlier. All the regulation on the taxi drivers was to stop the bad actor, but but the nature of technology now is that you, like the the being able to track the driver, being able to track the passenger, GPS showing exactly where everyone went, like that. Acts as a better counterbalance than any regulation possibly could have, and so I don't. I it yes, I agree with you about the fundamental nature of man. But the, the there is uh, maybe I'm being techno utopian here, but technology I feel like can help bring out the best in people in a lot of different instances. Well, I guess the main point I was making is is I I'm, I'm hesitant to
0: argue for this with the idea of unlocking the human potential and and when people do what they want, amazing things happen. Not because I don't. Not because I don't disagree. Uh, I, I actually tend to agree. I think that uh, most people have no desire to be lazy uh, and to sit around. And um, and frankly, some of the ones that do, <laughs> well, like that's probably really not, not that, a that bad much. Thing. Money. <laughs> um, that was terrible. I Sorry. That out. <laughs> I guess that. Well, I, I think so. I I guess what my point is, I actually tend to fall uh more on the the optimistic about about humanity's side of the equation, that said, uh I also very much understand and can appreciate, and there's lots of evidence for the other side of the equation. so I'm not going to sit here and say you should think about this new way of politics because imagine what would happen if we unlock humanity's potential. like I actually think there's very like just very logical, rational ways to think about this, and we already talked about some of them. Uh, one. Oh, okay, we'll leave aside the moral issue. One, like it makes a better market, like mm. to sell into. Uh, two. Again, we're granting that it's the right thing to do because, I mean, hopefully it is. If you don't think it is, what's there to talk about? Two. Uh, what might be unlocked by by not giving like just make adding some sort of vague sense of security to people, like where they they actually are you can't we want people to take risks but if you don't have anything to bet you can't you you, you can't take a risk right
1: like and it, you don't and you don't want to clean people out and leave them on the streets if it fails
0: right well you well yeah because they're not going to do it there's not going to be the right, right they're not there's not going to be the right incentives there and then the other thing is just um you know we've talked about like there's such a fundamental change happening in society and and, and economics with, with the internet. And again, I have repeatedly put it, I believe we will look back in 200, 300 years. Well, we won't look back. We'll, you know, we'll be dead, but we'll look back. Society will look back and put the changes that the internet wrought on society on the same level as the industrial revolution, which again, reshaped everything and, and generated tremendous suffering. Right, yeah. because it, it, the 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 problem with um to go back to the efficiency argument, right? What's mm-hmm. artificial intelligence is, is is a great example. Mm-hmm. If we come up with an AI that eliminates some, like oh here we go, uh, uh truck driving. If we if we have self driving trucks, uh, that is one of the largest employers in the U.S. is the transportation industry. Like, if we wipe that out in the long run, it will be a benefit. It will. Like, this is just because all those people, to your point, they're going to find new things to do. They're going to be productive. And now we're getting trucks driven and we're getting all the new activity for the same amount of time and cost that we did before. The output has gone up. That's the only way to to improve the human condition. Just, it, it is. Like, that's just, just the way it works. And so, if you back up far enough, if you get to the 50,000 foot level, if you get to the historic level, something like all self-driving cars is a, is a, is a good thing. The problem is, uh, it takes time it takes time to find out new jobs to find new things when 98% of people worked on farms and today 2% of people work on farms the, like the 98 the the the, the all those 96. people in the middle thank you they didn't immediately start like working at Starbucks making coffee right or or being a psychologist or like being a being a blogger right like yeah, it, there, there was a, there were several hundred years between the industrial
1: Revolution and me sitting in my pajamas uh, talking to you on, on a podcast right and and it's, and it's it's unreasonable to expect people, especially when other people are benefiting tremendously from this it's uh, It's unreasonable to expect those that suffer just to take it in the teeth. and when, when the number of people that are taking it in the teeth, if that number gets too big while the people who are benefiting, like they benefit too much, like like history's shown that that typically doesn't end too well for the people who are benefiting.
0: Well, you no, know, exactly. So there's, there's, there's several angles here. I mean, so one is uh, what what I think the the real political question is is technology is going to progress, right? The real political question is how can we most quickly and efficiently accelerate the development of new opportunities that are enabled by, by increase the increased efficiency that technology right. brings. And I think this is a fundamentally optimistic view. I think it's so often framed as, uh, like what, how can we take care of these people? Uh, how can we like provide for them? And that's, and yes, at a moral level, that is what needs to be done, but there's,
1: there's, yeah, when you frame it like that, people are like, you're just taking it out of my pocket to like, uh, to like, to, 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 uh, in Australia, we call them doll bludgers, like the people who just want to sit around and do nothing. But when you frame it in the positive, like this is going to help us grow the pie at an even faster rate. Right, and right.
0: Can- this is a big thing because, because the increased efficiency brought by technology actually does not grow the pie. The pie is not grown until the, Efficiency is realized. Yeah, and what I mean by that is uh, the the pie is not like if 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 person if we get a uh, robot to do the job of a person, we are still producing the exact same amount as before. If anything, there's a drag because that person now has to be provided for. But when and if that person gets a new job. Or a new skill or, or, a, or creates a new sort of service that never existed before th- that's when the robot's benefit is realized and, and this is I think the, the the jump that people fail to make is that actually and this is this is the, the the point why this is something that I think can be embraced regardless of your view of the fundamental nature of man it, it, it's not about just being a Bleeding heart liberal or whatever, and like wanting to take care of someone, it's that if I want the pie to actually grow, that means that the resources that were initially used to do one thing have to be used to do two things.
1: So you're not just you're not just uh, celebrating. The, the the technological transformation that puts people out of work you're celebrating creating a context when those people that are put out of work are then able to to create something new that didn't exist before right
0: that's because that is the part that makes the first part valuable like the they're the, inner they're intertwined like simply uh putting a robot to work isn't, from a society perspective valuable until the aggregate production is increased and aggregate production isn't increased as long as, and this is the argument that I think the, the you know, more on the right would have against safety and that sort of thing. Cause they, you, if you look at it just in, in a single sort of thing, Oh, okay, wait, so the, the robot does a job and then now we cut a welfare check to the person who lost their job.
1: Mm, well, right.
0: actually that's a net negative for society. Like, right? cause now we're, 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 I mean, we're just giving money away basically, which is why, uh, but when and if that person does something new, when when and if that's unlocked, like now society is more and it's the, the, the catalyst was the robot, but the actual realization of increased production was that person who was displaced. And so that's the way to think about it. How can we accelerate? How can we accelerate new opportunities? How can we accelerate new ways to do things? And this is why it goes hand in hand with the cut in regulation. We need to encourage more entrepreneurship. This is why I like the gig economy. Like I want there, I want people to have more flexibility to do things. And at the same time, they need to have like, they you want to have the safety net so that they have the incentive and freedom to do it. I,
1: it's, um, It's uh, uh, what you're describing is exactly why I'm also excited about these experiments that are taking place and uh, even talk inside of some of these European governments of making these countrywide programs where, where the the social safety net is lifted really to a, to a a living wage for a lot of people. And like the, the early results of the experiments speak to your optimism around human behavior. People don't just sit around and do nothing.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, I just, and I the other thing is just from a pure practical perspective, and this is kind of the point I made uh, at, at the end about, about Graham's piece, like how much more resonant and effective can we as technologists be in this debate if we concede that, yes, this will have to be paid for, right? Mm-hmm. And and it's, it's one of those things to your point where we in technology actually, uh, we – have the luxury. It's like a strategy credit because the way in which technology works and the way in which a Facebook grows and the way in which a Uber grows is exponential. And it's not really limited by marginal tax rates. Right. Whereas on wall street, I can understand to be frank, I can understand wall street people fighting tooth and nail against marginal tax rates. I can understand them fighting tooth and nail against this sort of stuff because it actually it's it, it's a zero-sum game. It goes straight to the bottom line. The benefit in technology is the whole idea of what these network effects do and the way that there's these these winner-take-all dynamics in these in these defined markets is that it, barge, you they're not stopped on the margins. It, yeah, it's then. an overwhelming force. And so we have the luxury of knowing we can actually credibly argue that. Yes, we are willing to pay. We believe that there should be a more progressive tax system, but in exchange, like there needs to be a two part to this where we increase regulation, where we decrease regulation, we increase the the freedom of movement of employees. We we finally once and for all bifurcate the, the this tie between the social safety net and work. Like like that it, and and it's a cogent it's it's cogent. It Works to technology's favor, and it's and it's it's intellectually honest because yeah, we we're, we're gonna pay for it.
1: You're actually reminding me of something I also read a couple of months ago about uh, someone who went in and did um, a whole bunch of in-depth interviews around uh, in Silicon Valley on people's political perspectives, and it it emerged that it was this like it was described as this liberal libertarianism almost where people were socially progressive and at the same time were arguing for that cut in regulation. And I feel like what we've got at uh, in this podcast is a, is a clear articulation of the root cause of why people think about it like that way over here. It's, yes. It's, yes. And it is, it's, 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 like in terms of the way you characterize the two political forces inside the United States, it's taking parts from both of them, but that's why I think it's so fascinating. But it, but the, I I, well, I guess what no that's right. And so like
0: there's nothing original under the sun. I I, I will grant that for oh, sure. I, no no I, I say that and I say that in, in a positive sense. In that hmm. I, I do think implicitly a lot of people in technology in particular do get this, but like i've said this again like we got to stop sitting on the sidelines right mm. because right now the there's the, the debate is it is on one side uh the sort of uh activist side for lack of a better term and on the other side there's kind of the wall street side and the, both of them neither of them are helping matters frankly right and and this was and and If we want this new viewpoint to develop, again, I'm hesitant to always say that a third view can emerge because there's a reason there's been two for so long, but I do think that fundamental ways in which society works and is organized have shifted, and so perhaps there's a potential here. Like Then we need to actually get more active about this, and it goes to both sides. Folks like Graham and folks on the high end need to be a lot more uh, cognizant and willing about being willing to pay and frankly people on the other side and this is what me all these essays need to be a lot more serious about about economics like i'm i'm sorry but when you so much of the responses were just economic gibberish and that doesn't help matters either
1: yeah I, i yeah i mean right I, I think there was a point that you made in the body of this that was really good, and that is to get a bit, you got to give a bit, and it's it's it's. <laughs> I I took uh, s- some martial arts for a little while, and I was I was learning one of these things, and one of my instructors was telling me to do something that uh, I thought was crazy because, like, if you actually got yourself in a situation, it would result in a lot of damage your arm. And I was like, why would I do this? It's like going to, like, it'll result in my arm getting broken. And he turned to me and he said, yeah, it's, it's worth giving your arm if you get your opponent's neck and this notion that these these debates and this is what i feel your criticism of graham was he was he it felt like he wanted it all like it's like you you should love us because we're doing all these wonderful things it, it almost felt randian a little bit in nature we're doing all these wonderful things and to criticize economic inequality is to criticize all these wonderful people doing all these wonderful things that's true but he wasn't giving anything back in return and and, and that's why i felt it rang a little hilarious. Yeah, I mean to be fair,
0: he did. He actually made a similar point. I did that. We need like we need to focus on poverty um, as opposed to inequality. But But no, I I I agree. I agree.
1: It's the wrong framing. It's it's like the the negative versus the potential framing that that you just articulated. Then to like talk about it like poverty is to talk about it like a handout. It's not about the the handouts. It's it's actually about lifting. Lifting that minimum bar up so that people can can, can are encouraged to be risk seeking and you actually get more people who might end up in YC and might end up in YC from very different backgrounds that are coming right now people whose potential is being wasted because they, well, they, they don't have the minimum opportunity well not not just yc I mean businesses all over the place like the, the, of course. The, i mean to I, fully I,
0: to fully realize the
1: efficiency of technology we need like the
0: greatest wave of entrepreneurship ev- ever. Because we like, if you think of, think back, like what has happened since the industrial revolution, we've developed the entire services economy. We've de- we've developed, uh, the internet. We like, there's just all sorts of things that no one could imagine back in the 1600s or whatever that exist in the world now that employ people that have made life better. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that is what made all the pain in the industrial revolution in the long run worth it, even though, but, but it still took a lot of people being poor, a lot of people dying children working in factories, world wars,
1: right? Mm. I would prefer to avoid that this time. Well, right? we should and, know better. Would, and we're pointing fingers from the West. We're pointing fingers at China saying, how come you're doing all these things? And yet we're, we're kind of doing our own version all over again as we go through the next epoch.
0: What did China do? I don't know what we got in China.
1: Oh, well, no, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Like we're talking about you're polluting, you're oh, polluting right, right, the yeah. environment. You're like underpaying oh, right. which, we, which
0: Which we all did.
1: Right, we and we're doing the same thing again while we point the finger at the at the developing countries for doing what we did last time. When, when actually,
0: uh, the raise in China's China had what's happened in China has done more to decrease uh, poverty and aggregate than anything mm. in the history of the world ever. Um, so no, I it, it, that that and so, but the point is, this is why this is this is the thing that like we need to unleash. To, this is going to sound so cliche. We need to unleash human creativity. We need to unleash the, the sort of iterative impulse that works on the internet. We need to enable that in the real world, right? And that means cutting down on regulation. That means embracing, I, I this is what I think the gig economy, again, people are just instinctually negative about it, but I think there's, there's something really positive about it in that it allows iteration, Like We need iteration. We need new kinds of jobs. The, the, the world in 200 years, there are people are going to be doing things that we can't even scarcely imagine, trying to imagine, trying to describe what I do or what you do or what almost anyone in the world does to someone 300, 400 years ago, impossible, right? But that's, almost a certain assuredly what the world will look like in 300, 400 years or 200 years or hundred years, or however long it takes. And like change is coming. Winter is coming. Like the, the, the world Winter is, coming. the world is changing and this, and we need to be not just worry about the, the short term, the easy answer is to worry about people that fall through the cracks. Absolutely. But the flip side of that, and this is the side that the people who are so often skeptical of safety nets should be way more cognizant of, is if you want to really realize your gains, you need to accelerate like the development of 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 human potential on the other side. Like I'm repeating myself, but so we should probably wrap this up. We've gone along.
1: Yeah, I I was I so so two things. Um, I was thinking about describing what you do to someone in the 1600s and. Maybe the one thing they would get is the bit about doing it in your pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: and the second
1: thing was as you were saying that, I was like, you know, we could we could almost turn this into a political platform. Vote vote one exponent.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I already have I already have tax problems, that is. Uh, <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, wouldn't this help solve? I don't them?
0: know. I would be a nonprofit. <laughs> uh, again, this episode is sponsored by Wealthfront. Uh, Wealthfront. Speaking of wealth, uh, Wealthfront <laughs> is interesting because it automates habits and strategies that investors should be using on a regular basis, but normally aren't. Great investing is a marathon, and we love investing. Like I, I don't know. I, th- this is what makes this whole debate frustrating. It's like people, like invest Wall Street does good things venture capitalists do good things activists do good things like can't we just have a little empathy and try to see like yeah it, this is what the name calling bothered me right it's the immediate jump to uh and straw man Your arguments bothered me stuff. it's the immediate yeah. jump to like motivations and like the fundamental nature of a person and just like if you're doing that stop and yeah, don't well, stop. Don't stop because for my sake, stop for yours. Because I sure as hell, I'm not going to take you seriously after you do that.
1: Right, but this also speaks – So part of this, I I know you said Strawman, but part of this, I attribute to Graham. Like the way to diffuse people reading into your motivations is to like recommend something where it doesn't just appear like it's entirely in your self interest. Yeah, fair. Uh, anyway, great investing is a marathon, not a sprint
0: and little things you may not be familiar with like automated tax loss harvesting, rebalancing and smart dividend reinvesting could add up to very large amounts of money over time. Wealthfront does all those things to your money automatically. As an exponent listener, you'll get $15,000 managed for free if you decide to open an account, but just start with seeing the portfolio that they would suggest for you. Take two minutes, fill out their questionnaires at wealthfront.com slash exponent. It's free. And this is the best part, you don't even need to give them your email address. And I, I, it's worth making I think the Wall Street point again because Wall Street is not just a zero sum game. The whole reason why investing makes money, why if you put your money in the market or in an automated account like like Wealthfront and, and over the long run you almost ass- assuredly make money is you make money by realizing the enhanced efficiency. And the, what investing does is it it gives it, it's it's the capital to make the investments, to create new technology that creates increased efficiency, and that yes, you get a profit and it goes back to the investors, but society benefits as a whole, right? Like and like we gotta stop with the demonization on, on yeah, both sides. You
1: know what? You're right. And as you were saying that, I realized I was probably slipping into it a little bit on this as well. Like it's it's so easy to like start pointing the finger and doing that. And you're absolutely right. Uh wealthfront. Wealthfront Incorporated is an SEC registered investment
0: advisor. Investing in securities involves risks and there is the possibility of losing money. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Please visit Wealthfront.com to read their full disclosure.
1: Good luck skipping through that ad, guys, because we started arguing halfway through. (laughs) Sounds
0: good. Our thanks to Wealthfront for uh, being a long-term sponsor, investing yeah. in investing in, in Exponent.
1: But, yeah, that's very much appreciated. Thank you so much.
0: All right, sounds good. Uh, well, we uh, we went very long. I'll try to cut a few minutes out here. Um, we
1: did. We went very long, but it wasn't like yesterday, so that's a win.
0: Okay, <laughs> right, sounds good. Uh, I will. I, I will. I gotta edit this, and hopefully, you get it out in a couple hours. So, I will. I'll talk to you soon.
1: Sounds good, mate. See you later. Right, bye, bye.